This is the University Seventh-day Adventist Church in the sunny Orlando, Florida. We are glad that you are listening to our weekly podcast. Our prayer is that you will be blessed and challenged by our message today. And may God lead you in the next step of your growth in Him. Here is our future sermon. Oh, thank you, praise team, for leading out in that beautiful song and also for your lovely singing. I want to thank you, Pastor, Pastor Alex, for giving me the opportunity to come to share with you a word from the Lord today. I have been in Florida since introduction says I have been a pastor in the Ontario Conference for the last 35 years. So I've decided to take a little break from the cold and to probably come and spend the rest of the time where it's a little warmer. And I've been amazed. People are complaining about the cold. And I've been saying, what are they talking about? Complaining about this weather? Oh, I love it this way. Anyway, we need to pray for the folks in the Northeast because they are getting the true blunt of what winter is like. Very ferocious. Not an easy experience. I have lived in it for more times than I've lived in my home country of Jamaica. And so it feels good to be liberated a little bit from the cold and to be in Florida. I want to thank your lovely pastor for extending to me the invitation to come over here and to share the word with you today. As I told one of the elders this morning, since I've been here in January, I've been going from one church to the other. They've been inviting me from here to there. I thought I'd come to relax. But every time I run into someone, either a church elder or a pastor, and I said to them, you know, I've retired from ministry. And they take the liberty to say, oh, I can get you to come and preach for me here. I wish they would understand that I would like to sit in the pews and to enjoy hearing the word and the blessing. But it's always a blessing to speak for God. I want to share with you a little part of an experience I've had over the years. I have learned this in ministry, that every problem that you face in life, is God's opportunity to do something special for you. And sometimes we complain about our trials and our troubles. Not realizing that God is about to do a miracle. And I discovered this through prayer. And today, I want to speak to you on the subject of prayer. I've always wondered... Why the prophet Isaiah said that the house of God is a house of prayer. But do you know that many of us think that the house of God is a house of praise. A house of singing. A house of fellowship. Yes, that's important too. But primarily, the house of God is a house of prayer. We are God wants to meet with his people to demonstrate his power in their lives so they can go out and they can demonstrate to the world 
what a difference God is. So every time we come to worship, we should be looking for an experience with God. About 25 years ago, I was pastoring a lovely congregation in the city of Toronto. The church had paid for its mortgage. It was a growing congregation. And things were going very well. I enjoyed ministering to the people. They were lovely. They were friendly. They were supportive. Everything was going good. One day I got a call from the conference. Pastor, you got to move. I said to myself, dump in my heart, this is not what I'm looking for. And I was, to be honest, very sad. And I kept it in my heart, pondering it for a few days. So one day I went up to the conference office and I said to the president, Mr. President, I think probably you got it wrong. Could you reconsider this assignment? Because things are going so well. The church is growing. We paid off our mortgage. We are doing so well. And the president sat back in his chair and looked at me and said, Pastor, you got to go. And so, very reluctantly, at his office, and I decided, well, I have no other choice because I remembered when I entered ministry, we sang the song, I go where you want me to go, dear Lord. And I gathered the courage and I said, I'm going to go. On the first Sabbath, I was introduced to the church. I could feel the tension in the church. I could feel that there was something not right. Because deep down within the congregation, there were rips, rifts and strife and conflicts and tension. I learned later on that the elders and the members were at war with each other over acquiring a church property for the worship of God. Sixteen years had passed and the church had been trying to get a place for worship. And every time something comes up because of the conflict, they lost out on the deal. And they start all over again. And every time something comes up and they were in this struggle, two properties had come up and they wanted to buy the two. One of the two. One fraction says, we need to buy this industrial building and convert it into a church. Another one says, this is a church building. We need to buy this building. And there was a division in the church. And here am I, leaving a congregation doing so well come in the midst of what I would call a fire storm. And so, talked to the previous pastor, and we decided that, you know, there's some lingering issues that were left over there, for he should come back and fix it before I could really move forward. Invited him back, he came back, we had a business meeting, it made matters worse. So in the midst of the meeting, I had to stand up and say, okay, okay, I call a truce. We got to stop here, okay? We dismissed the meeting, finish it right there. Later on, I went home, fall on my knees, and pray. 
talk to God about it. Say, God, what did you bring me into? Where is the way out of this? And the Lord told me, the answer is prayer. It's prayer. Call the church together. Brethren, we need to come together for prayer. We got together and we prayed earnestly. Deep down, we search ourselves, agonize, talk to God. And in the midst of all this, the Lord gave me a revelation. Exodus 25, 2. Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. It was clear to me that God did not want any of the choices that they had made. He wants something different. Completely different. And after a few days, we had a meeting. I met with the leaders of the church. And I opened up the scripture and outlined to them what God did when he wanted to build the earthly sanctuary. He called Moses, gave him a plan. And Moses did it according to God's plan. And I said, God showed me that we ought to build a church, a house of prayer for all people. Well, the rest of it is, story. make a long story short. After five years, that congregation bought an ideal property in the center of Toronto with adequate space for parking and for building a nice place of worship. And now that congregation has one of the most beautiful buildings in the city of Toronto. A place that the conference uses regularly for meetings to instruct believers how to do God's work. I say to you, my brothers and sisters, every problem that you face in life is God's opportunity to do something for himself and for his glory. Our text for today is taken from Acts chapter 4 and verse 31. Acts 4, 31. What book did I say? Acts 4, 31. Okay. Acts 4 and verse 31. Let's go to the passage, the Bible. Listen to what it says. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now, brothers and sisters, you have to understand the background to this passage. Peter and John were just released from prison. They had been preaching the word of God, and they had been cast behind the bars because they have been storing up the city for Jesus Christ. Many people thought this was a defeat for them, and now they were challenged again whether they should go and preach or they should keep silent. But these men were so bold because of prayer. After the church came together and they prayed, the place was shaken. 
And let me tell you, my brothers and sisters, when you and I get down on our knees and intercede and pray to God, I want to let you know God hears prayers. And because of the prayers of these apostles, the work of God grew tremendously. And today we can say, because of their faithfulness, we have the gospel that liberates us from sin. Prayer made a difference in the church, the early church. And prayer will make a difference in the church today. But what is prayer? I want to submit to you that the Bible provides a solid foundation for understanding the ministry of prayer, what it means. Prayer makes us grow as a Christian. It matures us. It gives us strength and stability to face any trying circumstances in life. I'm sure if I should say to you today that many of you looking at me and sitting down here listening to my voice are facing some serious problems. I don't know what it is. But we all have challenges in our lives. Problems with health. Problems with our spouse. Problems with our children. Problems at work. Problems in society. We have problems. 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 But I want to let you know that your problem is God's opportunity to perform a miracle in your life. When you face your problems, I want to tell you, get down on your knees and talk to God and present yourself to God and God will do something miraculous for you. Amen? Isaiah said, the house of God is a house of prayer for all people. And when you come to church, seek an opportunity to go into some corner or to meet someone and to intercede with God for each other. And for your own soul. A few years ago I discovered a text in the Bible. That has meant so much to me. It was there all along. And I've read it over and over. But as I studied the Bible. This text just jumped out at me. And I, it has meant so much to me. John chapter 14. Verses 12 and 13. Turn in the Bible to John chapter 14. 12 and 13. Now Jesus speaking. Listen to what he says. He says this. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. Wow. Can you believe this? Jesus says, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. But listen to the rest of the text. It says this. He will do even greater things than these. Because I am going to the Father. And I will Sorry, and I will do whatsoever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. What a text. Powerful text. Too often we don't pay close attention to what Jesus here is saying. If you stop and read his word, he means every word what he says. The work that he did, he says, you can do it. And greater work because he's going to his father so that whatsoever you ask in his name, it will be done. He's talking about prayer here. 
When we come to God and pray to him in the name of Jesus, he says, I will do what you ask. That's powerful. That's powerful. Powerful. Prayer then is the method that God uses to transform us. In prayer, we begin to think like God, to think God's thoughts, to desire the things he desires, and to love the things he loves, and to will the things he wills. That's what prayer does for us. Prayer is not just you and I rattling off a few quick words while we are in a haste and say we have prayed. That's not prayer. Prayer is when we sit down and we enter into a heartfelt communication with the Almighty. It's not a hasty rattling off of a few favorite words. That's not what it is. It's when we sit down in contemplation with God and we search our inner being and we pour out our heart to God, leaving nothing hidden within. And we talk to God and let God know where we are. That's prayer. And when we pray like that, God will do something for us. Amen? To do the work that Jesus did is unbelievable. How many of us would ever think to compare ourselves to what Jesus did? Most times we say, no, I can't do that. Because Jesus had done so much. But when you commit yourself to God, he will put his Holy Spirit within you and empower you to do a work similar to what Jesus has done. That's powerful. The scripture, Jesus said it. And if you believe it, it can be done. I like what Ellen G. White says. My favorite writer, Ellen G. White says, Prayer is the breath of the soul. It is the secret of spiritual power. Messages to young people, 249. No other means of grace can be substituted and the health of the soul be preserved. Prayer brings the heart into immediate contact with the wellspring of life. And it strengthens the sinews of the, and muscles of the religious experience. But listen to what she says next. Neglect the exercise of prayer or engage in prayer spasmodically. No one then, as seems convenient, and you will lose your hold on God. The spiritual faculties will lose their vitality and the religious experience will lack health and vigor. In other words, she's saying, you and I, in order for us to pray, we shouldn't just pray now and then. Occasionally. But we should make prayer a daily, a daily communication with God. First thing in the morning as I get up, first opportunity, I have to dial heaven. Every opportunity I get within the day, I have to have a communication with God. When two people are in love, they carry cell phones around and every moment they get to talk to each other. They're on the phone with each other. You need to have connection with God that every opportunity you get, you communicate with him each day. And he will guide your steps. And he will deliver you from temptations and evil. 
Prayer is the real work of the Christian. Most important work of the Christian is to learn how to pray. How to talk to God and how to communicate with Him on a daily basis so that He can communicate with us. 2 Chronicles 7, 14, the familiar text, you know it says, If my people pray. If my people pray. If you and I were praying more, more and more, if you and I were praying more and more, we would experience more of the revelation of God in our lives. More blessings would come upon us if we were praying more and more. But too often we pray too little. What will happen when we pray? I was reading a book recently by the name, by, um, by, by, from, from the author, sorry, my utmost for his highest, Oswald Chambers. And he said this, a favorite writer. He says, prayer does not fit us for greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Prayer does not fit us for greater work. It is the greater work. In the teaching of Jesus, prayer is the working of the miracle of redemption in me. That will, that will produce miracles. So that God's will and glory will be manifested in the earth. Prayer puts us into the frontier of the spiritual battles that we face. When we learn to pray and to seek and to intercede with God, we are face to face with the devil. But with prayer, he will never succeed. Jesus Christ in the wilderness, 40 days after he, thirst, he was thirsty and hungry, and the devil came to him and said, you are hungry, you are weak. Take these stones and turn them into bread. You can do it, Jesus says. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus knew that it is more important to obey his father than take advice from the enemy. If you want to know how to pray, you need to look at Jesus' life. The Bible says he came into this world, he was, like, he was like us. Born in the human flesh. Grew up in a corrupt society. Someone said to him, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? His surroundings was corrupt. But he had communication with his father. How did he do it? Mark 1 tells us this. Mark 1.35 says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left his house, went out into a solitary place to pray. You see, my brothers and sisters, when you want to have communication with Jesus, you need to go where you'll not be disturbed. The Bible says, shut the door, enter into your closet, close out the noise, close out the distractions. You know, I've had prayer meetings at church. We have prayer meetings every Wednesday night. I think you do here too. And I have had members come to me for special prayer. While we are there in a circle praying, their cell phone rings. And they get up out of the prayer meeting and go outside to answer the cell phone and come back. That's a problem. 
That's a problem. When you are in communication with God, no other calls matters. Did you hear what I said, brethren? If your cell phone rings, don't answer it. Because you're in communication with the king of the universe. His connection is first. Finish with him first before you go to somebody else. But if you leave that communication and go to somebody else, it means that somebody else has more priority, has a greater priority over the king of heaven. You know what someone's saying? If you want to have real power in your life, you got to know that when you enter into prayer with God, turn off the attention from outside. Cut off the distraction so that you can fully communicate with God. That's why Jesus says, enter into your closet and when you have shut the door, close off all the distractions. Turn off all the cell phones. And then you can communicate with God. Undisturbed. No one else to distract you. Jesus, early in the morning, the Bible says, Mark 1.35, he says, early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up, left his house, went into a solitary place where he prayed. That's where he got the power from. Because he knows how to enter into a one-on-one -on -one with God. You want to have that communication, that power in your life? You need to know that you need to get into a place where you can have an audience with God. Talk to God from your heart. Pour out everything to him. Let him know you need him. I need thee every hour. Most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. I need thee every hour. Pour it out to God. David had a similar habit when he prayed. Psalm 63, 1. David desired, said, I desire God and it broke my sleep. You see, my brothers and sisters, when you desire God so that your sleep gone from you, then you are beginning to enter into communication with God. Because when your heart desires to have this one-on-one -on -one communication with God, not even food is tasted to your lips. Because your soul desires God so much that sleep is no longer a great burden. Food doesn't taste that well because my heart yearns for God. The, apostle, uh, the apostles understood this because when they chose the deacon, the seven deacons, they chose the seven deacons in Acts chapter 6 because the apostles said, listen, we want to give ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. So we don't want to get into all the daily activities. Let's elect some deacons to do that work so that we can dedicate ourselves to prayer. Acts chapter 6 and verse 4. You see, brothers and sisters, if we, need to, if we want to get the power in our lives, we need to know how to pray. Because when God sends obstacles to our way, as I said before, it's not to destroy us, but to get our attention. So that we can come to him and we can seek him with a whole heart. He will hear us. The Bible says the, prayer of a, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avail it much. Prayer is powerful. But we, too often we neglect prayer. In our churches. 
When Jesus was here on earth, his disciples noticed the way he used to pray. And one day they came to him and said, in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. It's interesting to me that the disciples never asked Jesus to teach them how to preach. They never asked Jesus, Lord, teach us how to sing. Now, preaching is good and singing is good. But they never said, Lord, teach us to do these things. They said, teach us to pray. And it was out of them that the Lord Jesus taught them what we call the Lord's Prayer. How to pray. In the last church I passed, just retired in December 31st, 2015. You know, we have shortened our prayer, our preaching service, so as to leave time for prayer at the end of service. Because I said to the church, brethren, we need to make prayer the focus of our lives every day because that's where the power comes from spiritually. So many Sabbaths when we finish, I walk through the door to greet people at the door, and then I stop because most of them were sitting down waiting for prayer. Because we have made the church a house of prayer for all people. And I said, if you have troubles, if you have sickness, if you have problems, then stay back. We are going to pray with you today. And most Sabbaths, when the service is finished, we're expecting the folks to go there wait for the prayer. Because we all have needs. We all have burdens. We all have trials. And some of us have been struggling with our trials and our burdens for years, for months, and can't get over it. The secret is prayer. Prayer. One sister who has been out of a job for many years, she said, I can't even tithe. When I went to visit her, she said, I can't tithe because I don't have a job and I only get occasional work. How can I tithe out of this and pay my rent and take care of my sick mother? I said, my sister, the Bible says, put God first. And I challenged her. I said, listen, try it. If one this year, if you tithe faithfully and at the end of the year, your situation is worse and what it was before, we'll give you back all that you gave to the church. I challenge you. One Sabbath after I forgot everything, she came to me and said, Pastor, uh, uh, you, you remember what you told me? You remember what you told me, Pastor? I said, what? I forgot by this time. She said, Pastor, I got a job at the local, one of the local hospitals. I'm working full time and I'm getting the benefits. Trust in God's word. Believe his word. Talk to him about your situation. God will come true for you. There's power in prayer. A young man, while we were building a church, said he couldn't afford to give to the church building fund when everyone was making pledges. He said, I can't do it because I only work with the UPS and they only pay me small wage. I can't afford it, pastor. You know, one weekend, one week, he got his pay and he went into the change room and he left his wallet there with his entire payment in cash. All that he got for the week, he left it there. And when he remembered it and went back, it was gone. It was gone. He came to me and said, Pastor, I worked for two weeks and I went and all my money, everything is gone. I forgot it in the change room. And I said, Brother, 
Let's pray about it. But I said, before we pray, you've got a covenant with God that you're going to be faithful. You've got a covenant with God that you're going to be faithful. He says, Pastor, if I should get back all that, I will give everything that I get back to the church building fund. We prayed about it. One week passed. He came back to me. He said, Pastor, after one week, somebody came back with the wallet. I returned the wallet to the company with every cent in it. They did not take a penny out. My brothers and sisters, it's amazing what God can do through prayer. It's amazing. We don't take God at his word enough. I have proven that when we are serious and when we covenant with God to do his will, when we come to him and ask him to do something for us in faith, he will do it. He says he'll do it. Jesus says, if you have faith in me, believe in me, the works that I do, you will do it also, he said. And greater work, he says, because I go to my father. I've had some amazing stories because of prayer. Seeing what God has done, what God has done in the lives of believers, just because they pray. My brothers and sisters, too often as a church, we spend our time doing a lot of things that are not necessary when we should be spending time in prayer. Most of our prayer meetings are very poorly attended. I don't know what it is here. Perhaps yours are different. But I know we are pastor. When we come to prayer meet, only a handful of people come. Only a handful come. But I challenge the church. I said, brethren, the prayer meeting is the boiler room of the church. That's where the heat is generated. That's where you get power from. And I said, even though if I'm going to be the only one, I'm going to be here every Wednesday evening because I'm not only praying for myself, I'm praying for the church. And I've seen my prayer meeting increased from 4 to 30 to 50 because brethren and believers have been seeing that prayer works in their lives. It works. There is power in prayer. Power in prayer. Ellen White says, when we come to pray, ask for humility. Ask for wisdom. Ask for courage. Ask for increased faith. But many times when we come, we ask for things. We ask some money. We ask for things to satisfy our needs rather than asking for the spiritual blessings that will give us the power to overcome temptation. That's why the Bible says we ask amiss. Because we don't ask in harmony with God's will. But if you and I ask in God's will, it will be done. Ellen White says this in uh, our heavenly places. She says, we need to know how to pray. Heavenly places, page 75, she says. We need to know how to pray. It is not tame, spiritless prayers that take hold of the divine attributes. Prayer is heard by God when it comes from a heart broken by a sense of unworthiness. Prayer was instituted for our comfort and our salvation. 
Prayer is the expression of the desires of a soul hungering and thirsting for righteousness. That's what prayer is. When we pray according to God's will, the Bible says, it will be done. The North American Division of Seventh-day Adventists has a theme called Pray One Million. How many of us have heard about Pray One Million? Have you ever heard that term? Pray One Million? I think it's a God-divine initiative. It simply means if every member in the North American Division should pray for three minutes each day for somebody that's lost, God will do an amazing thing in this division. You see, all over the world, the church is growing rapidly by leaps and bounds, doubling and tripling every five years. But in North America, because we are so satisfied with everything, we are increased with goods and we need very little. We are satisfied with the way we live. We don't sense that deep need for God until when we are in trouble and our life is at risk. Then we think, now is the time to seek God to save our lives. But God wants us to seek Him and to depend upon Him and to lean upon Him so He can bless us. I think prayer one million is one of the great initiatives that you and I need to embrace as a church to begin to pray every day for someone. And watch what God is going to do. Find a relative, find a friend, a co-worker, and pray for them. And ask God, can you save my family, save my friend, save my co-worker, and see what God is going to do. God will open up his windows of heaven and pour a blessing that you and I will be amazed about. I read a story not long ago from a book by Carl Johnson, Why Christian Sin. It's about a little town somewhere in Midwest America. The town was dry. They said it never, they never served liquor or beer there for many years. But one businessman wanted to introduce liquor to the town. And so the church came together and said, we are going to pray that this town will remain dry. No liquor will be served here. And the church came together, prayed earnestly. And the story says that within a few weeks, during one thunderstorm, lightning struck the building that the man was going to set up his liquor store in and burn it down to the ground. This man was so angry and he heard that the Christians, they were praying. And he said, I'm going to take them to court. So he took them to court. And so the church said, the church is responsible for burning down his building. In response, the church hired a lawyer to fight the case. On the day the court was going to hear the case, the judge made his opening remarks. The presiding judge said something like this. He says, the presiding judge, after his initial review of the case, stated that no matter how this case comes out, one thing is clear. The tavern owner believes in prayer. And the Christians did not. What an indictment on the Christians. 
to pray and God delivers something. And then you turn around to get a lawyer to defend you. My brothers and sisters, the point is that when you and I sincerely pray, God answers prayer. And when God answers prayer, we must believe and trust in his word. Amen. One of Britain's great revivalists called Leonard Ravenhill, he had some very interesting commentary on prayer. He said this, and I'm going to be closing in a few minutes. He says, prayer is the most unexplored area of the Christian life. It's the most powerful weapon that the Christian has. Prayer is the most hell-feared battle of the Christian life. Prayer is the most secret device of the Christian life. Prayer is the most un underestimated power of the Christian life. Prayer is the most untaught truth in the Christian life. Prayer is the most demanding exercise in the Christian life. Prayer is the most neglected responsibility in the Christian life. Prayer is the most conquering outreach in the Christian life. Prayer is the most opposed warfare in the Christian life. Prayer is the most far-reaching ministry of the Christian life. Oh, it's a wonder we pray so little. It's only a wonder we pray so little because we lose the power that God wants us to have. Today I'm here to tell you, my brothers and sisters, if you want to have victory in your Christian life, you need to pray, pray, and pray. More prayer, more power. Less prayer, less power. Ask God to make war in your hearts. I told you about my church at the beginning. The church I pastored in Toronto. How we built one of the finest facilities. We declare war in that congregation. Not war in terms of literary conflict. Yes, that's what they were having, war. But we turn it around in the positive way. W stands for willing hearts. Willing hearts to surrender, to submit to what God wants you to do. War. W. Willing hearts. A stands for asking God to give us the ability to do what he wants us to do. And R. Give us the readiness to respond. Rapid response. And so we declare war in the congregation. Willing hearts. The ability to do what God wants us to do. And be ready to respond when God calls us. Because too many people are so reluctant to say, here am I, send me. And today I want to close by encouraging you to make war in your own hearts. Ask God to make you willing to spend more time in prayer. Ask God to give you the ability to do what he wants you to do. And ask God to make you ready when he calls you to do something for him.